This is episode 92 of the Equestrian Author Spotlight Podcast. I'm Carly Cade, and today I'm speaking with Elizabeth Woolsey. Elizabeth moved to Australia and practiced veterinary medicine for over 35 years. She authored both nonfiction books and professional papers on such topics as the treatment of burns in horses and surgical procedures. Elizabeth published a book about her experiences as a practicing equine vet in Australia. She recently retired and has returned to the U.S., where she is now publishing fictional stories about veterinarians under Horse Doctor Press. Now, let's get into the interview. Welcome to the Equestrian Author Spotlight Podcast, a podcast featuring interviews with equestrian authors who love all things horses and writing about them. In each episode, you'll hear inspirational stories from horse book authors, including writing advice and marketing tips to help you write your very own horse book. If you're an author, aspire to be an author, or simply love horse books, then you are in the right place. I'm your host, Carly Cade, and creative writing makes my spurs jingle. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Equestrian Author Spotlight Podcast. I'm Carly Cade, and today I am excited to be speaking with Elizabeth Woolsey. She's coming to us from Australia. Welcome to the show, Elizabeth. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Oh, of course. It makes my spurs jingle to talk to fellow authors of horse books. And uh, for anyone who's watched the show or if you're new to the show, how I always like to kick things off is to hear about how our author's love affair with horses began. How did that start for you, Elizabeth? I can remember as about a four-year-old child watching television. I think it was Hopalong Cassidy, but eventually it kind of morphed over to Roy Rogers, who I'm pretty sure is my real dad. (laughs) But on top of that, my dad was a vet and... While he did a mixed practice when I was little, he eventually became a horse vet and just nothing but horses. But when we were about seven or eight, my grandfather, both of my grandfathers rode horses and I have pictures of them. So it's really in our family. Mm. And uh, my grandfather bought us a pony, Shetland pony, had stifle locking. So my dad had to sort that out first. And then we, uh, over the years, accumulated more ponies because of things like when a pony had colic and it needed surgery and the guy couldn't afford it. So my dad did the surgery and then gave the pony to us. So through that, and we all rode bareback. So we had all these ponies and we rode bareback. And so I, I like to call my inner thighs glue because I learned to stick on. <laughs> and then I eventually graduated to bigger horses. I got a jumper. Uh, Orbit, a great horse, wonderful, wonderful horse. He was 17 years old. He had string halt and he had, uh, he was a roar and he would kick the barn down uh, half the time. And he had been a jumper champion at Santa Barbara and he just was a horrible, horrible horse to be around other than he loved me, I loved him. And at 17, he could still jump seven feet without me on his back and with me on his back, five feet. So I was the limiting factor in that horse. And then I ended up going on to university and I rode a lot of racehorse gallopers and stuff. Not, I wasn't a jockey, but I rode on the track and stuff. And, and then as I, when I graduated from veterinary school, I had taken care of a horse who was an amputee Mm -hmm. and she just, she defined my career. And she was at UC Davis and I was a vet nurse there and I took care of her. 
anyway, my dad got a granddaughter from her and gave her to me for graduation from veterinary school. And I rode her up in the Sierra Mountains and in the uh, Trinities in California. And we drove, well, we rode up and fly fished and, uh, and, you know, camped out and stuff. And then I moved over here. I didn't have a horse for a really long time. Uh, but I eventually got some really nice horses. As I started to get older, I called them old lady broke to death horses. And, you know, I, a lot of people depended on me as a veterinarian to stay safe. So I stopped doing dangerous things, except for all day long when I worked with horses, which was dangerous. <laughs> but <laughs> anyway, it was, it, it's just been a love affair. It's just something about it. And I'm really excited because I'm here in Australia but I'm moving back and I am going to get a horse and start riding again over in America. That's so exciting. And there's so much there. Obviously you were so fortunate to grow up around all these horses and then learn about their health along the way because your father was a veterinarian and then you followed in his footsteps and also became an a horse veterinarian. And yep. so you've got all of that going on, but then you know, you've had so many different experiences with the horses. You know, how exciting that you have a portable career where you, you could be a veterinarian in Australia and then bring that yep. back over here. Are you planning on practicing yep. when you come back to the States? No, I'm not. I Well, I don't plan to. I'm doing a lot of um, uh, webinars and podcasts, at different things. Uh, I'm going to be giving some talks. I actually, I've written some papers and I became kind of infamous about treating horses that are burned because we had some horses here in Australia that were burned very badly a few years ago. Uh, That was probably the most traumatic thing I've ever had to deal with. And so I wrote a paper about it and it became actually quite a big paper. And so I've been invited by a veterinary school to come and talk. I've already given some talks and stuff. So I'll I'll keep my hand in it and Mm -hmm. I'm online and I'm on social media. And I've also Here's a book that you guys won't see, but I've kind of captured about uh, 250 uh, suggestions for young vets starting up. It's kind of, I call it hacks for, for new vets and things that other vets have contributed to, to help new, new vets start their practice and stuff. Things like, you know, don't take, take an extra pair of pants with you when you go out for something because you might need to change or, you know, they can be simple things, but then they can be more complex too. Anyway. Well, that's fantastic. So. Well, so, and so you, you are going to keep your hand in it. You, I hear a public yeah. speaking career oh, is yeah. kind of in yeah, your yeah. future and you're yeah. giving Zoom presentations right now and you're yeah. sharing your knowledge with up and comers. So you're being a yeah. contribution to the industry, which is fantastic. Well, one, one of the things that I think is really important is, is that I've accumulated, I've been in this industry really about 50 years, although mm. I've been a vet for 36. And the thought of me dying with all these good little ideas in my brain, that would be a shame. Mm. So I feel like I need to contribute back. So yeah, and I might even uh, go around and just kind of follow young vets and stuff and, and just maybe help them out a bit. Oh, that's fantastic. Well, thank you, because the world needs vets, right? And as our, yeah. as people and are retiring. Yeah, yeah, and as people Those are retiring. vets are getting hard to find. Yeah, I just, it's so funny you mentioned that. Just this morning, I had my veterinarian out, and yeah. I, I love my vet because he's he's supporting. There's this whole flood of, yeah. of women veterinarians that he's supporting that are coming out of school, and yeah. he's sharing his knowledge before he turns over the reins. So we, we need yeah. 
we need the experience that you have to offer yeah. for, for our new people. So thank you for that. And then I love this. So you have all these ideas bubbling in your head and you say it's a shame that, you know, they're not captured, but it doesn't just pertain to your knowledge when it comes to equine health. It's also, you just added author to your credentials and you just released the first book in a new series called Small Town Secrets, Horse Doctor Adventures. So tell us about your horse book and what you're thinking about doing with this series. Okay. Well, I I finished writing a a paper, a, a professional paper and I'm just not one to sit around. And I thought, oh, what the heck am I going to do? You know, I gotta, I've just got to think about it. So I started writing another series. And I completely finished this series. And, but I have a copyright issue. And so I can't publish it yet. And, I, and so I thought, well, what am I going to do now? So like I've written about uh, seven books in the last two years that are in various stages. Anyway, so I, I thought, well, what do, what do people like? And, and I want to stick with horse vets. And I want to stick with it. I'm not opposed to using a guy, but I like, I like women horse vets. And so I thought, oh, I wonder, you know, I, mysteries. Everybody loves a mystery. So I thought, you know, I, as I drive around all day long, I think about what I'm going to do. I'm listening to audible books and, and things, you know, to expand my horizons, I guess I would say. Anyway, I, I uh, thought about this and I thought, what if um, there was a girl, and I, as I kind of have always been told, write what you know about. Well, mm-hmm. I know about women, I know about horse vets, and I know about living in Australia. And so I wrote about a young girl who's in Australia, who's a horse vet, who's from America, and she has to negotiate the the differences between Australian and American veterinary medicine and and the kind of social norms and and the expressions and stuff. And uh, she's married and she has a couple kids and she's accused of murder. And... uh, she has to uh, negotiate the legal system and they bring in a locum. Locum is a relief vet. And over here, they say locum. And she deals with this young American vet who's the locum. From that, I actually, I actually wrote a story in there, which I'm going to tell you a little bit about because it's true. And what I do is I use um, and, uh, stories, the veterinary stories are or from my practice and from my life. One of them is about a little boy who has probably autism and uh, his uh, sister's pony is dying. And he goes into the house. I'll start crying when I talk about this because this really did happen. And he goes into the house and gets a book on the care of ponies and brings it out to me. And this is not, it wasn't a pony. It was a big horse and it was his grandfather's horse. But um, he brings it out to me and he says, do you think this would help you to help my grandfather's horse? Aww. That really happened. And oh so I, I, put, I changed it a bit, but that's the kind of stuff that I put into these, into these books. And they're from, they're, they're real, it's real stuff. And I put real veterinary medicine and I don't pull punches. And some of it is a little complicated sometimes. And I try to always make it look like, um, like I'm explaining to somebody that doesn't understand in the scene, but I'm also explaining to the reader. So mm-hmm. I try to incorporate a little bit of education with it. 
And I've had a couple people say, oh, it's kind of complicated, but most people go, oh, I love it. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's in between. Well, that's fantastic. I mean, you're, that's what we do as fiction writers, right? We yeah. take, we take yeah. moments or sparks of inspiration yeah. from our real lives and we turn yes, it into exactly. fiction and we include it in our stories. Yeah. But then you're also taking your extensive background in medicine, veterinary medicine and applying yeah. it to your story. Yeah. So there is an educational yeah. element too, which is, which yeah. is so amazing. Yeah. Now, I wanted to address something that you mentioned earlier. You said something about a copyright issue with one of the other books that you've written. Are you at liberty to talk about that? Just in case. Yeah, I can. I can. I can. Educate. So this is, this is the book. Okay. And it's a, and that, that's a very famous picture. And that picture really got me started on my writing career. I am really, I'm passionate about fishing, fly fishing and riding and stuff. So I wrote, and I can talk about it without mentioning what's going on, mm. or who, who I'm dealing with. I was with my friend. We have, I have a friend and we walk every night and sometimes I'm sitting there thinking, oh, what are we going to talk about? And so I said, I said, hey, if you could go back, she was, she really liked Roy Rogers too. And for an Australian, that's a big deal because half of them don't even know who he is. <laughs> anyway, so I said, if you could go back in time and or, or go back in time and be with one of your favorite television characters, who would you be with? And she goes, well, I don't know, you know, and she's probably said Roy Rogers, something like that. So I, I thought about it and I thought, I know where I'd like to go. And so I wrote about it. So what I did was I, I created a character who, who time travels back through an accident, back to the 1850s and meets a, a, some characters from a television program. Will, will remain unnamed at this stage mm-hmm. until I get permission. Mm-hmm. So I've been dealing with this for a couple of years and it's really frustrating because they keep saying, oh yeah, we're going to do it. We're going to do it. But then they don't do it. So anyway, so she lives back in that time and she spends, she's married. She has the child in the current time. And so she's trying for years to get back to her family in, mm-hmm. in real time. And the saga goes on for four books uh, of getting back. And she meets real characters. She meets people um, who really existed along with these fictional people. Funny thing, these are my great-great-grandparents. They're real people. They really existed. (laughs) I have a picture of them and pictures of their house. And my grandmother... Uh, my grandmother uh, was born in this man, this gigantic mansion that I talk about. Anyway, long short is that there's lots of real characters and real people, and uh, and and she even meets Mark Twain, who was a real person, mm-hmm. obviously. It's really fun, and I got so much encouragement, even though I've only had a few people read these books because I can't sell them. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had some made up for my family and stuff, but legally I can't sell them. So. Anyway, that's that's that the first series, and then that's when I got into these others. So, my current ones that I'm writing are about a woman who is an American vet who lived in Australia for a long time, who retired, came back to the United States to ride, fish, write, repeat, and <laughs> and so she's so she's kind of living this dream, and everyone's going, it's autobiographical, and I went, I wish, <laughs> because it's really, it's, she meets all these really interesting people, and she rides, fishes, writes, and repeats, 
Yes, please let it be autobiographical. Yeah, no, that's perfect. Well, I mean, again, like what some of your passions have influenced where you're taking your fictional characters. Yeah, yeah. Okay, then one other thing is that uh, this isn't my first go. In 2005, I wrote a book called Horse Doctor, An American Vet's Life Down Under. This was before you could self-publish. So I had it under a, um, a pub, you know, kind of one of those vanity publishing things. And, mm. and, uh, and that's really true stories about what happens down here and what life was like and, and lots and lots of horse stories. So I've been doing this for a while. I'm pretty hooked. Yes. Well, I, and before we even started the podcast, you mentioned that you can't wait to get out of the bed in the morning yeah, and no. start writing. I know. So- Share with us a little bit about your routine. I mean, you're really, you're really excited. I feel your passion about your yeah, writing yeah, yeah. career. I get up at 4 a.m. every morning. Now that started uh, many, many years ago. I decided that I needed to re-educate myself a bit, and I wanted to, uh, I wanted to kind of up the game a bit. And so I was going to become uh, board certified in something. It, it ended up not happening uh, for various reasons, but I really re-educated myself. And, and because I was working full time and, and I work, when I say full time, you know, I start my, you know, things like if I have horses at the clinic, I'm, you know, I'm, I might be up in the middle of the night looking at them or something, but surely by 6 a.m. I'm out there seeing what's going on. Are they getting better or getting worse or what do they need? So I started studying at 4 a.m. and I can't. I tried to stop and just calm down and maybe sleep till six or something. I just can't do it. I'm just cannot do it. It's an old age thing. And, and it's just the way it is. So I get up and I have a cup of coffee. I look at the, you know, get on my computer, look at the news, start to kind of get my brain going. And as soon as I think my brain's going, I switch over and I start writing. I, I will, I wrote until I needed to get up and get going and go to work. Now I might, keep going until say eight or nine in the morning and just write then I'll do a lot of routine things and then I find in the evening I get kind of tired and I get kind of sloppy so I I I don't do a lot unless I happen to really think oh man I gotta do this part you know (laughs) so um, or I'll think of uh, a plot and I'm a pantser I guess I didn't know that there's so many expressions I didn't know but I'm a pantser and I uh, just sit down. I don't know where anything's going to go. I have no idea as I'm writing. It's really rare I have to go back and change things. I've had to do it a couple of times. I've missed, like, taken a whole day's work and then just gone, yeah, <laughs> get rid of it, delete and start again because I don't like where it's going. Mm-hmm. And then also I try to uphold my profession a bit. So, um, yes, there are bad people in all professions, and some of them come out in these books, but but basically the hero is going to be the hero. What I'm yeah. hearing is you are a writer. You've been writing for a long time. You write, yeah. you wrote as a veterinarian, you've written yeah. papers, but you also write fiction. Yeah. I was wondering, you know, how are you re- reaching your readers, particularly because you've got kind of two huge markets for you based on where you've been in your life, Australia and the yeah. U.S. So how yeah. are you, how are you yeah. merging both of those? Most of my books are centered in the United States. But I wanted to do one for Australia because it's a small pond and then you can get recognized really easily. You know, when I retired, I was on the half a page of the local newspaper. I'm a little fish in a really small <laughs> pond is what I like to think. So I, 99% of the, what I do is Facebook. My big thing is I don't care if I make money. Mm. I really don't care. I, what I want, 
I want someone to say, I read your book and I'm, I've been up all night and now I have to go to work and I could kill you. Mm-hmm. That's what I like. And I've got that a lot. And I've got that. Some of my classmates from veterinary school have read it and they've really, you know, gone, oh, I can't believe this. This is so good, but it's never going to be to make money. And mm-hmm. guess what? That's exactly how my veterinary practice was. I did it because I loved it. Mm-hmm. The last case that I had was a little boy whose pony had colic. The parents didn't want to go on with it for very good reasons. They are good people. But the little boy was distraught. So for absolutely nothing, I treated that pony and it got a complication and it stayed at my clinic for a month free. Hmm. And when the parents would call, I'd say, I don't really want to talk to you anymore. I want to talk to your son because he and I have the deal. The son was six years old. You know, it's it's such a good little story. It'll get in the book someday. That's kind of how my life has been. And it's more like, I like someone saying thank you. And I like someone that goes, oh, I love that story. Or when are you going to write another one? That's that's my thing. It's not the money. Yeah. So, and I, but I, again, I'm fortunate because I don't have to. Yeah. And, and I love that, yeah. that you said that, though, because what I'm gathering about you and I'm so excited to meet you is that you are you are doing what you love and you are you have a talent for writing you have a talent for treating animals but it's what I'm hearing is it's never been about the money right the marketing for your books will always be there but you get joy from writing but then also joy from the gift that you end up giving to readers with your stories it's the same with the horses you know it's like you care about the horses you care about their well-being you care about their connection to their humans so it wasn't always about the money. And like, that's the best way to live your life, right? You know, because yeah. I feel like when you're, when you have that good energy or that good karma, or you're doing onto yeah. others as you would want done onto yourself, the money kind of just magically shows up when you're being a good human. You know what I mean? So, well, yeah, I, I mean, I don't, whether I make money or not, to be honest with you, I don't care. I think, um, you know, when I first started to write the time travel, I thought, oh my God, this is crazy. You know, I'd read, um, uh, Outlander and all mm-hmm. those, and I just loved them. I loved everything about it. Me too. Um, Outlander is awesome. <laughs> and she's, um, I mean, she's really detailed, and she really, you know, writes a lot of stuff. And 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 you know, she's she's an artist. Man, I'm 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 a slogger, <laughs> but I have a good story. Mine are really good stories, and I didn't know for sure until I started sending, you know, the first few chapters to some of my my nurses and my secretaries and then my sisters and then a couple other people and then and so then from there I just went okay let's go that's awesome well it's you you're getting a lot of support and and you're lighting up your readers which is yeah the reason why I think we all should do this right so you're doing it for the right reasons yeah let's talk about this new series did you go the traditional route no just just uh self-publishing so far Okay. I didn't, uh, when the first book that I sent out, um, that, um, the horse doctor book, I, I sent it to a lot of publishers and I tried to get an agent and stuff. And of course this was before self-publishing mm-hmm. and no, nothing was happening. And so I went with, um, a company called iUniverse and they're kind of, kind of vanity a little bit and you pay a lot of money and then they put you on, but that's all there was in those days. There was only a few of those um, companies out there and then and they got me on Amazon and stuff and there was no social media there was nothing and and by the time 
I was really big in social media. Social media was good, mainly Facebook over here. Uh, for my genre and stuff, we tried to get going on Instagram and Twitter and stuff like that, but we found it wasn't working. And what we really needed it was when we had this fire come through, mm. terrible, terrible fire. Mm. And we had um, a whole bunch of burned horses at our clinic. And these people lost their houses. They lost their infrastructure. They lost everything. And uh, we had primarily at the, you know, after the first couple of days, we had eight really burned horses. I mean, mm. bad, bad, bad. And we needed money to help these people because I wasn't going to charge them for it. You know what I mean? I mean, you mm. get the idea about me. I'm mm. like, mm -hmm. it's what I kind of do. And so, so we put some stuff on Facebook and our Facebook accounts exploded mm. and we got a lot of money in. Now we actually eventually ran out. And so I finished off paying it off, but it wasn't much at the end. Uh, mostly we, we were taken care of. And, but that gave me the, uh, my, my veterinary account exploded. And then I got the idea, <laughs> I can use this to my advantage. So I did. I've found that Facebook has been my best one so far. I've, I'm on Twitter and Instagram. I hired a company to help me promote stuff. And uh, it was quite, it was pretty expensive. And I was, this is when we were waiting to get permission to use these books. And every the people that had read it, even the company that was helping me, they were going, oh my God, this is so good. This is going to be unbelievable. Still, I still don't have permission. It's been two years and I just, you know, I'm waiting it out. But I think I'm pretty close to saying, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get, I'm gonna just change the names of the characters and mm. keep everything else the same, and I'll just go generic. And, and I've had a lot of people say, oh, don't do it, and then a lot of people say, your book's good enough, don't worry about it. So, mm. I'll see what happens. So, are you getting uh, lawyers like involved with that? Yeah, I did, I did, I did, and then, and then. The, it's, it's a long story. It, it does sound like anyway, a, a long story. So basically, it's a, it is a long story. But and and the guy's really nice. That's that's in charge of all this. He's so nice. But then it, I, he just doesn't answer. Like I wrote and said, "Hey, can I mention the names of these who these people? Uh, you know, these people are." And he goes, and he just I didn't hear from him, so I just had to move on. Um, so I'm not going to mention them. But uh, the, the the stories themselves are so good. They really are. And and I'm I'm not bragging. I'm not, I'm just saying that this is what my people that have read it have said. And they just go, oh my God. Yeah. And I hear that you're chomping at the yeah. bit to get this out there. What would be yeah. your word of warning to fellow authors when wanting to mention- Don't like, use television characters. <laughs> right. Unless like a, you have like got a, permission ahead of time. And I did. I, the guy wrote to me right back. I got about halfway through the first book and he said, and my sister said, you better get permission. I went, yeah, you're right. We had a hard time finding who this person was. We eventually found him. And he wrote back. He was so nice. Wrote back right away. Oh, yeah, I'm sure we can do a deal. Um, no problem at all. But then I kind of expanded it and went on from one book to the next. And I sent him, you know, he wanted information and all that. And then I kind of couldn't find him for a while. So I found a lawyer to see if we could kind of end around it. And, and I'm not going to do anything illegal. I'm not going to do it without permission. I'm yeah. going to be crazy. Yeah, and I, I can I can see that. So I'm assuming it's a it's a trademark, pretty popular show yes. that everybody knows, yeah. right? Okay, yeah. yeah. And and you're doing the right thing yeah. by making sure you don't want to get sued. I mean, you don't want to get into a lawsuit over this stuff either. But it, it, if it's in a fictional context, I there yeah, there's a lot of uh, 
sticky, sticky parts about managing around that. So, uh, well, I wish you lots of luck in getting that out there. And, and again, because it is fictional, you can always change names and imply and people can kind of maybe get the gist of where you're heading with it. Moving. I wanted to ask this too, just out of curiosity. So you, you became a vet in the US and then you went to Australia to practice yes. equine, equine medicine. Did you have to do any additional certifications or anything when you moved to Australia? Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So um, in the old days when I was doing it, uh, uh, American uh, licenses weren't recognized. Now they are. So you Mm. can come over and do it. Mm -hmm. Um, You have to have been you had to have gone to a certain universe, you know, certain universities. But 90 95 percent of the universities in America would be recognized and it wouldn't be any issue whatsoever. And then Elizabeth, for you, I love to ask these questions because the answer is always a little bit different for each author. What has been the very best part of your author career? And then on the flip side of that, what's been the most difficult part? I think the best part for me is I fall in love with my characters. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I mean, even if they're bad people, I just love them. They're in my brain day and night. I dream about them. I think that's to me one of the best parts. And and the hardest part probably is the you know is getting the word out there, but I, um, I'll learn it. I'll do it. And that's the best. <laughs> they do become like real breathing oh, yeah. parts of our families. Yeah. Yeah. And then, yeah and no we can live out all these exciting adventures with these people that yeah. wake up in our mind. Yeah. And yeah. they can be exactly like you want them to be. Exactly. That's the <laughs> yeah. very, very best part. And then, and then I think your comment on just getting the word out there, that is one of the most challenging things. A lot of authors yeah. And, and what I love is you said, but you'll learn it, you know, and that's the best part is like, yeah, take it a baby step at a time, a baby step at a time, and you will learn it. And there are resources out there to learn these things and things are always changing. So, you know, yep. you, you will yeah, for sure. just keep writing. I think the more books you have yep. out there, the more you have to talk about, the easier yep. it becomes to get the word out about the books. And then of course, readers yep. spread the word for us too. And it sounds like you have yeah, very avid sure. readers. Uh, and then yeah. I, w- I wanted to ask you, is there something your readers would be surprised to learn about you? I was surprised to learn that you are, you are really big into fishing. Do you want to share a little bit about that? <laughs> oh, well, I, I started when I was a little kid and uh, I fished, you know, a lot. My dad taught me how to fly fish when I was about seven or nine, something like that. I joined a men's fly fishing club over here. Well, it's not really men's it's for anybody, but I was the only girl. These guys had been fishing, you know, for 10 or 20 years. Well, I look back and when I was nine, that was like over 50 years ago. So I have a little bit on them. I, I've been really innovative in my veterinary work, which most people, like people that don't know me wouldn't know. And I've been very lucky that I've had really good friends that have um, shown me how to do things that that were cutting edge kind of stuff. So mm-hmm. I'm, I have quite a bit of cutting edge kind of stuff. And I think there is one thing that I want everybody to know that you wouldn't know is that I am here to help you with your books, uh, writing about the veterinary aspects. Mm-hmm. If you want to make it real, Aaron did all kinds of animals and I only did horses, although mo- primarily it was horses and cattle and a little bit of sheep, but they called me to get do plots because I could explain how to uh, help them with their plots um, with the veterinary aspects to make sure it looked real. Oh my gosh. I've got a generous offer to other authors of horse books to help make yeah. sure their facts are straight. That's really fantastic. Yeah. And yeah, you know, I wish you a very, successful retirement full of lots of writing and and this new journey as a you know 
perpetuating your yeah. author career, but I hear that your clients are really going to miss you. And yeah. And yeah. so, so you're on this next journey in life and what are you curious about? What, you know, where are you going next? What you're coming to the U S I'm going to, I'm going to travel around and, and stuff, you know, now that I'm, you know, I was, when I was a veterinarian, I was just obsessed and, mm. and, uh, I didn't, when I came over, I came over to visit my family. So, um, now I'll have time to go places and do things. So I'm, I'm really super excited. I, everybody said I would fail at retirement and nah, I'm, 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 I'm cooking. You're embracing it. Yeah. And yeah. you still remember, you still have your hand like in the, in the jar. Yes. Yeah. 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 For sure. <laughs> and I've had so much fun talking with you today, Elizabeth. Thank you for your generosity and coming on the show. Will you let yeah. listeners know where they can find more information about you and your books? Well, uh, if you look under Elizabeth Woolsey or Elizabeth Woolsey Herbert, I'm actually kind of listed under both in Amazon. Mm -hmm. I have a website called Horse Doctor Press and then a Facebook. And please, you know, if you saw it and you want some information or you need some help, be happy to help you. I, I help people all the time. I have quite a few young people I mentor and so. Oh, I love that. And that, that is the epitome of what this show is all about. Uniting authors yeah. with each other, helping each other out. We have a veterinarian yeah. here that can help us get our facts straight, everyone. Yeah. So let's, let's use this generosity that she's sharing with us. Yeah. And I love your logo for, uh, for, what is it? Horse Press? Horse Doctor Press. Horse yeah. Doctor Press. I love it. It's so cute. It's a horse reading yeah. a book and it says Horse Doctor Press under the bottom. That's so, so yeah. adorable. I'll make sure to link to all those places in the show notes. And Best of luck to you, Elizabeth. Thank you so much for having me on. It's been a pleasure. Thanks for joining us this week on the Equestrian Author Spotlight Podcast. I hope you enjoy these Q&A sessions with wonderful equine authors who love all things horses and writing, just like me. Visit my website, carlycadecreative.com, where you can read the show notes. And make sure you never miss a show by clicking the subscribe button now. This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. Thank you so much for your support. Want a free guide to secrets of horse book authors? Gallop over to carlycadecreative.com forward slash wisdom to have author advice delivered instantly to your inbox. If you are an author who writes about horses and would like to be spotlighted, please let me know. Visit my contact page at carlycadecreative.com to fill out a request. I'd be happy to have you on the show too. Thank you for tuning in to the Equestrian Author Spotlight Podcast. See you next time. I'm your host, Carly Cade. Creative writing makes my spurs jingle.